0: everyone, and welcome to The Truth Behind GMOs. My name is Wyatt Hensley, and in my segment, I'm going to be talking about what is a GMO and the history behind GMOs.
1: Ah. Hi, my name is Garrett McDowell, and I will be talking about how GMOs are regulated.
2: Ah. Hi, my name is Tavenberry, Berry, and today I'll be talking about GMOs in livestock.
0: Hello everyone, it's Wyatt and on this episode I am going to introduce you to the basics of GMOs, why we use GMOs, and the history behind GMOs. I am currently a sophomore at Oklahoma State University majoring in horticulture business with a focus in greenhouse management. I have worked and been inside greenhouses for the last six years and have had jobs in the farming industry. Building trust and credibility is needed in this discussion about GMOs, and I plan to provide that so you don't have to worry any longer about GMOs. The first subject I'm going to be talking about today is, what is a GMO? GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organism. The act of modifying an organism to reach a goal or standard. Those goals or standards can be anything that the farmer or producer may need. The use of GMOs has been around longer than you think. In one way or another, humans have been using GMOs for years. This means humans have used a more traditional approach like selective breeding and or crossbreeding to reach the desired goals or traits that a specific farmer or producer has in mind. Now you're probably wondering how a GMO is created and why others say it isn't safe for you to consume. Today I'm going to explain how it is created and let you decide whether or not it is safe for you to consume after being modified. The first step involves identifying the genetics or traits. This means finding the gene, which is what makes up the organism's desired trait. Second step involves the same idea behind a copy machine. You need to copy all of that information for that specific organism that has those traits. The third step involves the act of giving you're going to be the messenger in this equation and give that information into the dna of the other organism lastly the fourth step after all of that is completed you will be focusing on actually growing the new organism you have created to achieve that goal or standard in mind The second subject I am talking about today is the reasoning for the use of GMOs. Now, you're probably asking yourself, why would anyone use or even think about creating GMOs to begin with? And that's a great question if you ask me. Studies found by the FDA and Purdue Research Extension has stated that genetic engineering in production agriculture has increased crop yields, reduced cost for food or drugs, and enhanced the overall nutrients and food quality of the crop that is being produced by farmers. Secondly, other studies and experiments have found that the use of GMOs in production agriculture has prevented diseases and other harmful bacterias from forming during the growing stage of farming or producing. The last subject I am going to be talking about today is the overall history of GMOs. Like I talked about in the first subject, humans have been using GMOs in one form or fashion throughout time, some dating back to 8,000 BC, before Christ. For those who prefer a little modern touch, BCE, before the Common Era, in recent years, more specifically, the year 1982, was the first year that something genetically modified Had been approved by the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, for use in the general public. This approval was for human insulin to treat diabetes in the United States. Fast forward almost two decades, and you have a wave of new produce that has hit the markets and has been genetically modified in one way or another. In the early 2000s, the World Health Organization, WHO, and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United States, FAO, has come to an agreement on international guidelines for genetically modified organisms and standards set for the FDA to determine the overall safety of genetically modified organisms. Fast forward another two decades, and you have labels that are required to be stamped or marked for genetically modified food as of 2016, which was signed and passed by President Barack Obama. So, to recap shortly of what I just talked about is that GMOs are genetically modified organisms that may have been around for centuries, if not millenniums. Not all GMOs are bad and have a bigger reason behind the use than you would think. Also, it comes to find out that humans have been using them for a long time, which history has showed today. Anywho, thank you for listening and hope you have enjoyed today. On the next segment of our podcast, we have Garrett talking about regulations used in GMOs. Catch you on the next modification.
1: Hi, I would like to thank Wyatt for his input on the history of GMOs and how GMOs came about. My name is Garrett McDowell and I am a freshman at Oklahoma State University. I am currently studying natural resources and ecology management fisheries specific and today I will be talking about who regulates GMOs and how they are regulated in the United States. So to begin GMOs are regulated by three government agencies the FDA the Food and Drug Administration the EPA the Environmental Protection Agency and the u.s department of agriculture the usda so the usda is the animal and plant health inspection service and it protects agriculture in the united states against pests and diseases that could be harmful to them um, what the u.s department of agriculture does to regulate gmos and make sure they are safe On their part is to make sure that GMOs are not going to be harmful to other things in nature. So what they're going to do is set regulations that make sure plants that have GMOs in them, any genetically modified plant, is not harmful to other plants and the environment as well. The Environmental Protection Agency somewhat does the same thing. So the EPA is responsible for protecting human health and the environment. While they do that, they also like to regulate pesticides. And the reason a government agency that would regulate pesticides is dealing with GMOs, Is because they regulate the safety of the substances that protect GMO plants referred to as plant incorporated protectants PIPs that are in some geo GMO plants that make them it it basically makes them resistant to insects and disease genetically without having to spray anything on them now this seems all good and seems like a really good idea, but it can be dangerous. So that is why the EPA must regulate and make sure that these PIPs are not out of control and that they're not going to um, cause any harm such as what like a pesticide would and make sure that they don't... Um, harm or contaminates any other any other food Uh, we also want to make sure it's safe to eat because we've known from the past and experiences and bans that have been put in place that pesticides are very dangerous and can be very harmful to the human body so that's something that is very important, and that is the EPA's part on how they're going to make sure that we are safe from GMOs. And lastly, the FDA. So the FDA regulates most human and animal food. Like most of the food that we eat and our animals eat are all regulated by the FDA and gmo foods are part of what we eat so yes the fda has to regulate gmo foods what their job is is to make sure that foods that have gmos or gmo ingredients may meet the same strict safety standards that the foods we eat every day do like mcdonald's and brahms and all those places that make you wonder if they actually pass the FDA's regulations but yeah so that is what they do is they make sure they enforce strict strict regulations that make sure that all the GMO foods that we are eating is under the same regulation that all the other foods we eat are so it can make sure that we are not putting ourselves in any more harm than what we could possibly be with the food that we're eating today now what the fda also has is a plant biotechnology consult consolation program which is also a voluntary program that evaluates how safe um new gmo foods are because new gmos are being made every day so it has to be regulated there is currently people working on new gmos in new ways to genetic genetically modify our foods to make them better capable and more useful for our race now what this what this constellation program does is a GMO plant developer will meet with the FDA about new products that are going to be put in the use of human and animal food the GMO developer also submits food safety assessment data and information to the FDA so they can analyze it and make sure that there's no issues with what the GMO developer is doing. And once the consultation is complete and the FDA has no more questions and they have completely came up with the assumption that the GMO is safe, they will then release it for new GMO plant variety in our GMOs that we have in our foods today. And that is all I have for GMO regulations and who regulates them. Next, we have Taven Berry and she is going to talk about how GMOs um, interact and mess with um, livestock. Thank you very much.
2: Hello, my name is Tabin Berry, and today I will be talking about GMOs in livestock. Um, I'm a sophomore at Oklahoma State, and I'm currently studying animal science production. I have have a ton of experience working at ranches and different farms with cattle and their nutrition. So I've seen a little bit of genetically modified food um, being introduced to these different species. Um, so I definitely have some background in it. and. Today, I'll be talking about the different topics of how genetically modifying livestock can help reduce disease, um, how genetically modified crops do not directly affect livestock, and how genetically modified livestock can reduce genetic diversity among species. And first, I'll be talking about how genetically modifying livestock can help reduce disease and make a healthier animal. So when it comes to it, genetically modifying livestock to help them prevent disease can be very beneficial to ranchers around the world because it is keeping their livestock alive and this can lead to more profit, more food produced for society and making animals stronger and healthier. So if you take out the risk of your animal being sick or contracting any disease, it can help create a ton more profit because you're able to raise more animals and don't have to worry about losing a large portion to disease, um, you're creating more food because you're, again, not losing any animals to this disease. So more, more food can be output into the um, production line and they're just making animals stronger and healthier and they're just more immune to the disease. And one example of this is Norwood talks about uh, the presence of avian influenza and the world's huge populations of chickens, especially those raised outdoor, where they come into contact with feces of other wild birds presents a serious health threat. Scientists have developed a GM chicken that is immune to and does not spread the deadly virus to other chickens. So this can be really innovating to society because you're modifying animals to where they are immune to diseases and they don't have to go through the process of vaccinating or keeping watch of animals that they don't get sick. And this can be really helpful to farmers because they are saving a ton of money because they don't have to buy any medicine, and they don't have to have extra staff to keep watch and vaccinate all these animals. And there's just a ton of benefits of modifying animals to reduce disease. And secondly, I'll talk about how genetically modified crops do not directly affect the livestock that are eating them. It is just like normal crops. So when people are concerned about how genetically modifying crops affects the meat they are eating from animals, it is definitely nothing to be concerned about. Um, if you think about it, um, if a crop DNA is being transferred over to livestock that eats it, if a cow even ate normal corn, the DNA of the corn would be transferred over and the cow would have the DNA of corn, which just does not make any sense. Um, You can't transfer DNA between two completely different species of plants and animals. And the FDA informs us the DNA in the GMO food does not transfer to the animal that eats it. This means that animals that eat GMO food do not turn into GMOs. If it did, an animal would have the DNA of any food it ate, GMO or not. And as I just talked about before, this just makes a ton of sense because you can't transfer DNA from one thing to another. Um, That would only be if a cow bred to another uh, cow, it would transfer the DNA, but you can't do that from a crop to a species of livestock. And finally, I'll talk about how genetically modified livestock can reduce genetic diversity among species and in the ecosystem. So there's definitely concern that um, modifying species of animals can reduce the natural species um, in our ecosystem. They're worried about how these non-modified species won't be able to compete and grow alongside these modified ones because they're just stronger, better, and faster growing. Um, Landry talks ab- talks about um, although there is little evidence that GMOs have impacted genetic diversity in today's environment, scientists are very aware of the potential influence on GMOs and biodiversity. And pretty much she's saying that scientists are a little worried that GM- gemo- genetically modified species will take over and whittle down the non-modified species because they're just stronger and faster growing and they will um, just take over. And she also talks about an experiment that happened. And it. she says that GMOs can also affect genetic diversity through uncontrolled growth. If GMOs have advantageous genes, they may outcompete their wild relatives. One GMO animal where this is a concern is a fast growing Atlantic salmon engineered by Aqua Bounty Technologies. And in this experiment, they pretty much took these salmon and modified them to where they are faster growing and they will breed quickly. And pretty much they saw that these species will pretty much wipe out the other species. And it's definitely a concern even with livestock because they're afraid that if farmers find these modified cattle or sheep or goats and they're just more profitable and better than non-modified species, they're afraid that the diversity will dwindle down and there will only be modified species in our ecosystems in the future. And it's definitely a valid concern when it comes to it, but in the end... If a species is more competitive and growing better, then they'll be better off in the end and you won't have to worry about, again, vaccines, um, feeding them extra or having to add anything else to make them faster growing because they're already genetic genetically modified to do so. And that will be it for today's episode of uh, the truth behind GMOs. Um, Thanks for listening to me, Garrett, and Wyatt, and we will catch you on the next episode.